Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Well, we'll get into our series, and Kristen did an amazing job uh, with the first two lessons of this series. And the title of this series is called Gifted, Gifted, and it's really a, a lesson or a series intended to point us to what Christ wants to do, not just in us, but through us. And the spiritual gifts are, as Kristen mentioned, are sometimes misunderstood. Maybe they've been used in a way that has been abusive or mystical or uh, just in a way that sometimes uh, creates pause or hesitation about this idea. And uh, I'm thankful that the Calvary Church, since my understanding, its inception, and, and uh, some of you have been around longer, can attest to this, but the gifts of the Spirit have been something the Calvary Church has been comfortable with for a long time. And uh, I thank God for this, but for those of you who maybe are, are new to the Calvary Church or, or kind of uh, maybe have grown up in a different perspective, we want to we wanna offer our perspective of spiritual gifts and how important we feel like they are to uh, the overall health of the church. Spiritual gifts are demonstrated and discussed throughout the New Testament, so when you're reading the New Testament, you're going to come across these gifts of the Spirit. We're using a particular resource that was written by David K. Bernard, the general superintendent or the bishop of the United Pentecostal Church. And I encourage you, if you haven't read that book, that's a great book for you to read. It's called Spiritual Gifts, and and he outlines this in a great way, and that's what we're using as our resource. In The New Testament, Paul specifically addresses spiritual gifts. And in Romans 12, and some of this is a recap, but Romans 12, he talks about service gifts. These are gifts like helps and hospitality and so forth like that. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about ministerial gifts. So the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These are spiritual gifts to the body. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12 really talks about Uh, nine spiritual gifts that uh, we're really talking about in this series, and I want to continue tonight. A few things, again, to recap about spiritual gifts. We want to emphasize that all believers have gifts. There's not just a few Christians who have spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, if you're spirit-filled, you should have gifts that God has given you. And God releases access to these gifts when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, And not only do we experience the power and presence of God when we're filled with the Spirit, in Acts chapter 1, The Bible says you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so we realize that God wants to empower us as people with his spirit to do things in this world. And in particular, we are to uh, operate with, with distinction in the body of Christ through the gifts of the spirit. 
And so we realize that God is the one who assigns the spiritual gifts. You and I don't choose our gifts. That's important. That's important, that we're not the ones choosing our gifts. Um, And they're given to every believer should have some gift, but no believer has all gifts. We're designed to work in fellowship or communion with one another. And I'm not going to dive into all of that stuff. You can, if you weren't here for the first two lessons, you can listen to those or watch those. But the purpose of the gifts, why would God give us spiritual gifts? The purpose, the ultimate purpose of spiritual gifts is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. To exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Never to exalt a man or a woman. Never to exalt somebody's position. But to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. The second purpose of spiritual gifts is to benefit the body as a whole. It's meant to benefit us as a whole. And that's an important understanding of gifts. And number three, it's unbiblical to treat the gifts as something reserved for the spiritually elite. And the purpose of the gifts is inclusion, not exclusion. So the gifts should never exclude people. It's meant to include, to help the body as a whole. The gifts are built around then finally what the church needs, what the church needs. And I think Kristen made a great point that that we operate in these gifts as God sees a need in the body, not as we see a need or want to fill a role. So has anybody ever met somebody or you've maybe heard of somebody who calls somebody and says, hey, I need a word of prophecy. I need, tell me something. I need, I need this. All right. The gifts are meant as God sees fit and he will move on us according to those gifts. And and we realize at the end of the day, we have to yield to the gifts. But the gifts are built around what the church needs. Three things the spiritual gifts are not to do. And again, this is a recap. Spiritual gifts are not to replace the written word of God. God will not uh, give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge for somebody that contradicts his already written word. And that safeguards us. That's important. The spiritual gifts, number two, are, uh, do not replace spiritual leadership in the church. Uh, again, this sounds a little bit self-serving, but this is important. Again, another safeguard for the church that it doesn't supersede the leadership of the church. Number three, supernatural gifts do not replace the daily guidance from God that we receive through prayer and submission of our heart and mind and will to him. And sometimes people can crave spiritual gifts to the detriment of their just daily, simple walk with God. And uh, we're not trying to live in this extreme existence with God where he only speaks through thunder, he only speaks through certain people that have a special interest in my life. No, he speaks to us through the daily word of God, through the preaching and teaching of God's word. And spiritual gifts do not replace that. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to move quickly tonight. And I hope you're sitting next to somebody you're, you're comfortable sitting next to. I think you guys have, who have been here know the routine. 
you are going to be asked a question at the end. All right, I see people moving. It's okay. Move where you need to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read the whole passage. I want you to try to listen or read along with me as if it's the first time you've ever read this passage. How many have been in Pentecost 10 years or more? Like you've been a Pentecostal. for Okay, so you've heard this passage before. Don't, don't let it drown out in your mind. Here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul is saying, I want to bring clarity. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity, diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kind of tongues, kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. All right, so that's the context for what we're talking about. Last week, Kristen spoke specifically about the gifts of revelation, those three gifts, that word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits, gifts that are knowing the mind of God. And again, I'm not going to dive into those, but now let's take a look at the next three gifts, the gifts of power the gifts of power. These are the gift of faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. And what we realize about this group of gifts, and again, we're grouping them, uh, this is not a per se biblical grouping, but we kind of can make sense of them in these kind of groups. These gifts involve visible works that come by the power of God. Visible works that come by the power of God versus knowing something, now you're seeing something happen. These gifts many times work closely together, and hopefully we'll be able to to align that a little bit for you. For instance, the gift of faith may lead to the working of a miracle. So these gifts work together. So let's talk about faith, the gift of faith for just a moment. Faith, the word faith, means confidence, trust, acceptance. It's, it's acceptance without tangible uh, proof. It's reliance or uh, it's this idea of believing something even though you don't quite see evidence of it. few things to understand about faith. Every child of God possesses saving faith and living faith. Saving faith is our capacity to reach for God even while we're a sinner. And so saving faith, the Bible says God gives everyone a measure of faith. 
And that's in Romans 12.3. Romans 1.1, when we talk about the faith that we live by, we realize that the just shall live by faith. So there's a faith component to just walking with God. We all have to have faith. And so you hear messages and you hear lessons and you read in Scripture about faith. So there's saving faith, there's, there's living faith. But in addition to this, there, there is this uh, manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit known as faithfulness or this idea of living in a way that's faithful to God. And there's this faith that should come out of all of our lives that we realize we need to be faithful to God. But 1 Corinthians describes something else, a supernatural gift of faith that transcends the faith that's required for salvation or the faith that we need to live by. It's an extraordinary measure of faith for an individual in a specific situation. All right, so, so we'll put this definition on the screen. The gift of faith, then, is the supernatural ability to trust God or to inspire trust in God for a particular need or circumstance. And so uh, maybe you've experienced that, where you've experienced extraordinary faith, a time of faith that just didn't make sense, but it was for a particular moment. It wasn't so you could just keep living for God. It, it wasn't that. It was because you were in a particular moment, and there's faith that's given to you, or you are uh, uh, asked to, to inspire faith in others. So... Uh, it oftentimes comes in response to a trial or a crisis that would overwhelm a person uh, except that God grants special faith to overcome in spite of the circumstances. It may be a situation in which there is apparently no escape, but God gives faith to move a mountain out of the way. Paul we realize in Scripture there's some examples of this. I'll, I'll reference one. Paul was shipwrecked in Acts chapter 27. The sailors who were with him lost all hope of life. But an angel appeared to Paul and assured him that God would deliver him and his fellow travelers. And so in Acts chapter 27, 25... He spoke confidently. He said, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe that, believe God that it will be just as it was told me, that they would escape this uh, destruction or this, this harm from this wreck. And there would be no logical reason to have hope in that moment. But God had given Paul this faith to speak to others, to uh, inspire faith in others. And he would tell him that they should believe for the protection and deliverance in this impossible situation, not only for himself, but for the unbelievers who were on board also. And so the gift of faith is a powerful gift. I speak these stories tonight that I'm going to share by permission, but uh, and, and many of you are familiar with them anyway. But in August of 2017... It was at the one service at Grace Point in August, the last Sunday in August. And if you were there, you remember Jack Cunningham was the preacher. Very powerful 
powerful service. It was in that service as he was ministering that I believe God gave him, allowed him to be used in the gift of faith. And he said that he felt there was a couple or couples who were trying to have a baby but could not, and that God wanted to give them a baby. And uh, he invited those who believed that, those who believed what he was saying, to step out of their pew and come to the front. And so, again, by permission, what most people did not know was that Andrew and Kate were having complications uh, and were trying to have a baby for nearly a year or more. And it was then that moment, that moment of the faith being spoken, that Kate stepped out of her pew and walked down to the front. And God touched her in a very powerful way, spiritually and physically, and it would be shortly after that they would celebrate their pregnancy of Asher. And the word of faith, gave her the confidence to obey the Lord. Amen. Aren't you thankful for Asher? And again, when you talk about these gifts, you you realize that she then, if you remember being there, she was then used in the gift of tongues shortly after that moment. And God used her in a very profound way to... Uh, allow that service to be very impacting. But it was that word of faith, that gift of faith, that prompted her and Andrew to believe God in spite of the circumstances. So now let's talk about working of miracles. A miracle is an event that appears in explicitly uh, and... Uh, it's, it appears all over uh, the laws of nature. You see it everywhere. And its design is, and its origin is the supernatural act of God. It's this, it's this event in life. A miracle is this event in life that, that happens, and it defies nature in some ways. And we realize miracles happen Uh, all the time. We talk about birth, that's a miracle. But miracles, the the ones that we're going to talk about, are things that happen that are contrary to the laws of nature. And it's some extraordinary, unusual occurrence that suspends or transcends the laws of nature as we know them, and it involves the direct intervention of God. We realize to God all things are possible, and and uh, really, to God, there's no such thing as a miracle, right? In the sense that God can do anything. But for us, he calls them working of miracles. We realize God is the creator. In a general sense, all answers to prayers, all spiritual gifts, and all divine healings are miraculous. Yet, in 1 Corinthians 12, the working of miracles is set aside as a specific gift different than others, including healings. And so what we realize is the word working there is a Greek word that indicates a specific operation. It's God working miracles through an individual. 
And we realize that God can do miracles in the lives of sinners, but the gift of the working of miracles we see is the action of God in a believer's life. So let me read this definition. In short, the working of miracles is the supernatural intervention of God that transcends the laws of nature in a situation and operates through or with a human vessel. It is the supernatural intervention of God that transcends the laws of nature, and it operates through an individual. In Scripture, the New Testament has a lot of examples of this, but there's one in particular, a young man named Eutychus, who went to sleep during a long sermon by Paul. And uh, you can make that whatever it is. Maybe you feel his pain. He fell from a third-story seat and broke his neck and died. The Bible says that Paul ministered to him, and he rose from the dead. It was the working of miracles, a moment where uh, he uh, was once dead, and now he's alive. And I'm sure Sister Burton can tell some stories of Miracles in Venezuela and beyond. Uh, and it's something that I'm thankful still happens today. Working of miracles. This could be uh, a supernatural experience of, of financial blessing out of, the, out of the blue. Or it could be something that is literally against the laws of nature, like somebody coming back to life. I was at the Impact Conference in, I believe, 2009 or 2010. The Impact Conference is a, uh, a conference down in Columbia, Mississippi, and um, it was during that service. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but Pastor Jeff Arnold was preaching in that service, and I was at the youth forum, uh, youth service, and I was coming over after the youth service, and I walk into the back of the auditorium, and he's finishing his message, and he's giving his altar call, and he's preaching and finishing this up. And I'm not really paying attention, just trying to get into the service and be a part of it. And then all of a sudden, things get a little weird, and I look up on the platform, and what happened was, at the end of that altar call, after he had finished giving the altar call, he sat down. And when he sat down, he said, I don't, I don't feel very good. And after he said that, it was just a few moments later that he fell out onto the platform. And uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Court Chavis, was there, and he had medical experience as a, as a military veteran. And uh, he began checking his pulse and working on him. The pastor's wife, Holly Carney, was working on him. She's a nurse, and they were checking, but they could not get a pulse on Jeff Arnold. And he was limp, and I was talking to uh, Court Chavis this summer about this. Uh, he was at Ohio camp, and he was saying that, that the color in his skin, I mean, it was, it, there was nothing. There was nothing there, and they couldn't get a pulse. And obviously, in a service like that, there's probably a thousand or so people there. You know, it's, it's a different kind of experience. Uh, they were trying to remain calm, but they also knew the significance of what was happening, and, and things were quite urgent. And I, I remember then, my recollection, I see him laying on the platform, and then I hear them say, 
we need to pray for Jeff Arnold. They didn't really say what was going on. They were just saying we need to pray for Jeff Arnold. And so people began to pray, and they were doing the chest compressions and the CPR. And so all of a sudden, Jeff Arnold sits up, and uh, Court Chavis is on top of him, and the way Court tells it, he's like, and if you know Jeff Arnold or have heard of Jeff Arnold, I encourage you to watch some YouTube videos when you get home. He's a character. So he sits up, and he looks up at Court, and he says, what are you doing? And uh, Court looks down and says, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, and they walked him off stage, and the paramedics checked him, and, and there were no signs of anything wrong, and he's still preaching today. But it's that miraculous touch that God can work in miraculous ways, in extraordinary and exceptional ways. And, and we realize, by definition, miracles are extraordinary and exceptional. As with all spiritual gifts, we should expect that the working of miracles should happen. But we must not think or operate our entire lives by this gift. We don't operate our entire lives for this gift. For instance, you might know the story of Philip. Philip in the New Testament was preaching and, and he was transported, right, from one place to another. That's a miracle. That's something out of the laws of nature. But the Bible doesn't tell us that the rest of the apostles relied on that kind of transportation. <laughs> they were not calling the Spirit Express like, hey, I'm over here in Joppa. I need to go to Antioch in the Spirit tomb. Okay, that was... A special miracle, a working of miracle that God had a specific plan. And so we don't, we don't uh, just live our lives thinking that something's wrong with us just because miracles we read about or hear about aren't happening to us. And so we realize also most first century Christians who were arrested were not miraculously delivered from prison. They weren't miraculously delivered from prison, and most who died were not raised up. And so we realize the sovereignty and will of God in all things. That doesn't take away from the fact that we serve a God of miracles, a God who can do anything, and we put our confidence in Him. And so... I'm going to move, I'm going to move uh, quickly today, but I, I want to say this in this moment. We have to also realize that God has given us principles in his word. He's given us principles about how we use money, how to uh, deal with our health and those kind of things. And so uh, many times we can, uh, we can do what we can do and see great results by just doing what the Word of God says, by how we use our money, spend our money, how we take care of our bodies, and so forth. And so, again, it's not to, uh, to say that we shouldn't pray for miracles. We should pray for miracles, but we also realize that God is sovereign, and He's also given things in His Word that we should follow. 
We do not, we do not, and I think this is an important statement, we do not demonstrate faith by inaction. We do not demonstrate faith by inaction. We demonstrate faith by works, doing everything we can do, doing everything we know to do, and letting God make up the difference, the things that we can't do, we realize that, that God can intervene. All right. Let's, let's move on to the last gift that we're going to talk about tonight, gifts of healing. Now, in this passage, the word gifts of healing is plural. And so what that tells us is that there are a variety of gifts. There are a variety of gifts or, or gifts of healing. There's, there's more than one type. And, and the reference is to healing of physical and mental conditions beyond the spiritual and emotional restoration that we receive as Christians. The gift, again, is, is a plural form, and there might be different conditions, different ways in which a healing takes place. And so our definition, we'll put it on the screen, so we define the gifts of healings as various forms of supernatural cure or restoration from illness, disease, injuries, or other impairments. So various forms of supernatural cure or restoration. Healing is restoring what once was. And we realize these can happen instantaneously. This can happen quickly, or it can be gradual and progressive. The human body is built to heal itself. It's made to heal itself. You cut your finger, thankfully, the body begins to heal itself. God designed this. And, but there are circumstances when even our body cannot or will not heal itself, and we realize that God can heal our bodies. Most scriptural accounts of healing are immediate. So you think about scriptures you like to read uh, or, or miracles you like to read that are instantaneous. But the Bible also shows us that healing takes time. So the 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus, Jesus told them, and he said, go show yourself to, to the priest. And the Bible says, and they were healed as they went. So they weren't healed when they were standing in front of Jesus. They were healed as they went. It was separate from the moment Jesus spoke the word. It was a gradual healing. It came quickly, but it was not evident while they asked God or while they were with Jesus. Their healing came later. Once we know that Jesus healed a blind man, and the Bible says... He was given a second touch because the first time when he was touched, he could only see partway. He didn't have full sight. And so Jesus touched him again. And again, this would show us that healing can be gradual. The Bible also shows us that some Christians suffered from sickness for a time without receiving immediate healing. Paul wrote about this. He wrote, to a, about a preacher of the gospel in Philippians chapter 2, 25. This is kind of maybe hidden from what we would normally hear about. But he said in Philippians 2, 25, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you 
uh, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was what? Sick. You heard that he was sick, so you reached for him. But indeed, he, has, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So we realize that this gentleman, this preacher, was sick for a period of time. Paul also mentions another preacher in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus... I have left in Miletus sick. Think about that. All right? Paul leaves a guy in another place sick. Right? So we realize that, that God didn't heal everyone that Paul probably prayed for. I would imagine that Paul prayed for him. But for whatever reason, he remained sick. Finally, another minister, we've a little bit more common. Timothy had chronic illness due to a weak constitution. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 23, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. And so here Paul gives some direction on how some pseudo-medical advice on how to deal with the pain and the sickness that he was having. Again, I believe that Paul prayed for Timothy. I, I wouldn't think that Paul wouldn't have prayed for Timothy, but he realized, okay, there's some practical things here you can do to help this and remedy this. And so, Again, these passages do not blame sick believers for their illnesses, but demonstrate that it is not unusual for Christians to become sick. And we all have mortal bodies, and we live in a fallen world. We're not immune to diseases, trials, and tribulations. We're not immune to it. And we should not view sickness as a defeat or lack of faith but an opportunity for healing or the glory of God to be realized in our life. You're not to view sickness as a defeat. And uh, I would say that anybody who comes in here sick, it's the same conversation Jesus had, that, that who sinned? His, his parents, who sinned? Did he sin? No, it was that the glory of God would be realized. And so we, we don't view sickness as defeat or lack of faith. Whether we receive instant or gradual healing, we give glory to God. If we suffer for a time before recovery, then we learn patience, trust, and other lessons from God. If we die in the faith, as everyone will one day, unless the rapture comes first, we still have our reward. It's for the glory of God. And so we don't get discouraged. We don't allow the enemy to beat us up that we don't have faith because someone or we do not get healed. Now, that's not to say there might not be there might be reasons why we remain sick and and I don't have time to go into all of those. It could be a lack of faith. The Bible clearly says that healing comes through faith. That kind of thing happens through faith, but but we also realize we we could be not well because of our own habits, our own diets. There's other things that could be a reason why 
we are sick. It's not just that there's a lack of faith. There could just be an infirmity in our life. And, and even the Bible talks about unforgiveness in a way when he talks about taking the Lord's Supper, that some people have infirmities because of them uh, taking the Lord's Supper in vain or, or uh, in a way that doesn't honor God. And again, Here's the thing that we all need to figure out and make sure none of us are trying to judge why somebody's sick. All right? We, we would do well. That includes everything. It's easy to judge people and think, well, they're not eating healthy, they're not whatever, but be careful. And that includes unforgiveness or it includes lack of faith. All of that, we need to be careful. We need to encourage one another in, in faith to, to seek God and to trust God at the end of the day. So when should I pray for healing? Now that I've, I'm the downer here tonight, praise God, let's talk about gifts of faith. So when should I pray for healing? James chapter 5, 13, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. That's, that's a good line right there. If you're suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing psalms. So how should we pray? We pray with focused faith, completely trusting in the Lord. James chapter 5 verse 14, is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm not going to, again, I don't have time to get into this, but oil, there's nothing supernatural about oil. It doesn't matter. Uh, that, that's, that, that is an important element. We will pray with oil because the Bible talks about it. But if you don't have oil, don't freak out. All of these things, handkerchiefs, Jesus' saliva, the mud, the oil, laying on of hands, what is all of that for? To focus our faith on Jesus Christ. Oil represents anointing. And so when we anoint with oil, we're saying the anointing of God is coming into this situation. We're putting our confidence in a God who can do all things. All these points are to focus our faith. The miracle is not in the oil. The miracle is not in the handkerchief. The miracles is not in the mud, it's in Jesus Christ. And so healing is, is important. We, we, we lay on of hands, we do all of these things in obedience to the word of God, but it's not to think that those things are the things that are healing us. God is the one that we're focused on through these things. James chapter 515, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. All right, real quick. Healing is meant to propel the gospel, not to make our life easier. Healing is meant to propel the gospel, not make our life easier. And so, we believe tonight that God can heal. And I, I hope that your life gets easier. That's great that your life is easier. But at the end of the day, God wants to receive glory out of any miracle, any healing, anything that he does in our life. And we realize tonight, and I speak with confidence tonight, that we serve a healing God. 
And so in Scripture, we read about the lame man at the temple in Acts chapter 3. You might have read that already this week where Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And so he lifted him up and he, he was healed and he stood up leaping and walking and praising God. So we realize there's, there's so many scriptures, and I'm not going to go into those. But in a, a service, uh, I've been on a personal level healed by God. In a service in Columbus, uh, when I was youth pastor, my back was in a lot of pain, and I was on the platform, and we were singing that song, Trading Sorrows. And the touch of God came in, and I was healed instantly by the power of God. As a child, I remember a woman getting up in the middle of service out of a wheelchair. Nobody prayed for her. Nobody, nobody laid hands on her. She just stood up, and she walked across the front and didn't use her wheelchair again. And I thank God for those kind of things. And in July of this year, 2019, I, I went to Mercy South at 1 in the morning on a Friday night, Friday, July 12th. A young man lay there in a coma on a ventilator, and the kidneys had shut down. That weekend, as that was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, things got worse. And on Sunday morning around 10 a.m. on July 14th, I walked into that room again at Mercy South and prayed. And I prayed for him. I took a prayer cloth, anointed that, and others were praying and believing. And I spoke to that man's mother in that room that morning. There was not much else that could be done. I was flying to Palau the next morning, and the mother wanted me to know that I should not feel bad about missing the funeral if he passes. And that morning, our pastoral team made plans for a funeral. But God. But God. And as I started traveling back from Palau, I started getting reports that he was responding, he was breathing on his own, and he was awake, he was sitting up, he was walking. And on July 24th, 2019, when I arrived at the airport in Cincinnati, I came to the church, got my car, and drove to the airport to see my friend Nate Crumpack. And there's a, a picture. Do we have the picture by chance? He gave me permission to share this picture, he sent it to me several days ago. I don't know if we've got it, but he was in a, a world of hurt, and God touched him. And I wanted to bear witness to his healing when I got back to Cincinnati. And when I got to that hospital, I, was, I saw him, and he was weak, and his kidneys weren't working. But it would be just a few days later that God would completely heal his kidneys. And here's, here's what Nate texted me today. He said, my kidneys should have taken at least 10 months to recover. My brain injuries, years. They lost me at one point, giving me an MRI. And when they transferred me by airlift, they did not think I'd make the six-minute flight there from Mercy South to UC downtown. God is a healer. God is a healer. God's not done with Nate. God's not done with us. If we're here, that means God has a purpose for our life. 
that he's doing something in us and through us because healing is meant to propel the gospel. Healing is meant to propel the gospel. And if you've ever been healed in your body, it's meant to propel the gospel, to bring faith and to put people's attention towards a God who can make all things new. Because here's the reality. At the end of the day, our bodies are going to go by the wayside. But when he heals a body, he tells us that if I can heal your physical body, you better believe that I can heal your spiritual body. That if I can recover that, I can recover your spiritual life and bring healing to you. Amen. Amen. So any healing that takes place, it should point us to a Savior who can save us from our sins. Amen. Amen. Our app time tonight, and we've got about three minutes. I'm going to give you three minutes to answer this question. Have you ever been used in or have you ever experienced the gift of faith, the working of miracles, or the gift of healings? Have you ever been used in or experienced the gift of faith, the working of miracles, or the gifts of healing? And so I'll give you three minutes to talk about that and then we'll close in prayer. thankful for the testimonies that are represented in this room. He's having fun with Ben here. He, he said a memorable miracle he saw was when the Cubs won the World Series. So, and when the Browns win the Super Bowl, y'all know that God's working. Um, but no, but in all seriousness, he was talking about his arm. God healed his arm. He saw a lady who was blind, began to see light. I know, Angela, I was thinking about you today where God instantly healed, I think, your knee at camp uh, a few years ago. I think that was with Jack Cunningham. I remember you texted me about that. And I'm thankful for these, these testimonies that are throughout. I hope, I hope you had a chance to share testimony with somebody. Would you stand with me tonight? And uh, we're going we're gonna to pray in faith, believing that uh, God's going to do a work in our, our friends' day. I want us to, to pray specifically that God would draw. Uh, I hope you're having conversations about friends' day and, 
and uh, the potential there. It's going to be a great opportunity to just uh, open the door, literally, for people to know about the Calvary Church and the power of God that is present in our gatherings. And so I want us to pray towards that end and pray for miracles and signs and wonders that, that he would receive glory out of our lives. He would receive glory out of our lives. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, God, that we can look into your word, God, and understand just how powerful a God that you are. Lord, you're able to do amazing things. You're able to do things beyond our comprehension, Lord. You're able to bring healing and deliverance in our lives in ways that we never thought possible. Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, there would be a fresh faith. There would be a great faith in this room to believe you and trust you, Lord, that you can do all things. Lord, I'm praying for the power of God to be manifested among us, Lord, when we gather in our services and we gather, God, in these upcoming services that nothing will hold us back, but that we will be used in the gifts of the Spirit individually for the benefit of the entire church, Lord. It would bring a confidence. It would bring a healing, Lord, a power throughout all of our lives, Lord, when you touch us individually, Lord. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.